Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is October 27th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block, but before we jump into chapter two, there's just something in chapter one that I find super interesting. And it's not doctrinally life-saving, it's not going to lead to our salvation, it's just something that I was thinking about as I was reading, and I thought it was in verse 18 of chapter one, it says, And these Gadianton robbers who were among the Lamanites did infest the land, insomuch that the inhabitants thereof began to hide up their treasures in the earth, and they became slippery, because the Lord had cursed the land, that they could not hold them nor retain them. Now, the thing that I thought was so interesting about this, and I'm not trying to say that I know exactly where the Nephites and Lamanites were or anything like that, but I find it so interesting that it says that the Lord had cursed the land because of the wickedness, and he had cursed the land to the point where their riches had become slippery. They couldn't hold on to things and they couldn't get ahead. The reason why I found that so interesting is, as many of you know, I served a mission in Peru, and Peru is a third world country. It's incredible. It's amazing, but it is poor. But the interesting thing about that is that Peru is rich in oil and in gold. It actually has a lot of wealth to it. However, the country has never found a way to be able to prosper from those natural resources that it has. And I remember wondering when I was there, why can they just not seem to get ahead? Why can they not make use of the riches that are abundant in this land? And then reading this verse, verse 18, that the land was cursed and that their riches became slippery because of that curse made me think of South America in general, how abundantly wealthy it is in natural resources, but just seems to not be able to quite get ahead. Now, again, I'm not saying that Peru or anywhere in South America or any one location is where this took place with the Nephites and the Lamanites, but just so interesting that curse that came upon the land because of the wickedness of the people and what it did to make it so the people couldn't seem to get ahead. Just an interesting, not life-saving thought that I had today. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to the more life-saving things. <laughs> In Mormon chapter 2, we see that at the age of 15, or as Mormon says it, in his 16th year, he was appointed a leader in the armies of the people, which speaks volumes of him. However, as he led the people, he was so grieved by the wickedness of the people that he led. And in verse 11, it says, Thus there began to be mourning and lamentation in all the land because of these things, and more especially among the people of Nephi. And it came to pass that when I, Mormon, saw their lamentation and their mourning and their sorrow before the Lord, my heart did begin to rejoice within me, knowing the mercies and the long suffering of the Lord. Therefore, supposing that he would be merciful unto them, that they would again become a righteous people. But behold, this my joy was in vain, for their sorrowing was not unto repentance because of the goodness of God but it was rather the sorrowing of the damned because the Lord would not always suffer them to take happiness in sin. And they did not come unto Jesus with broken hearts and contrite spirits, but they did curse God and wish to die. There is so much in there to unpack. So the people began to be sorrowful because of the Gadianton robbers and because they were losing their wealth and not being able to get ahead. 
And Mormon, seeing this, seeing their sorrow, begins to rejoice, because he knows of the goodness of God, and he knows that it's possible that this sorrowing and this sadness could help them turn to the Lord and to repent and to become better. But then in verse 13, he says, but I was happy in vain because that's not what happened. They didn't turn to God in their sorrowing. And in fact, they sorrowed more because the Lord would not allow them or wouldn't help them to find happiness in their sin. Now, I thought that was so interesting, the classifications of sorrow that Mormon gives us there. You have kind of a selfish sorrow, sorrow for your own losses and sorrow for your own sadnesses. And then you have a godly sorrow, a deep sorrow for sin, a sorrow that turns us to the Lord, a sorrow that leads to change, and a sorrow that allows us to turn to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Mormon was hoping that their sorrow would lead them to that godly sorrow, that kind of sorrow that would help them change and repent and to become more like the Savior. But that didn't happen. Their sorrow was a selfish sorrow and only led them to greater pain and anguish and bitterness against the Lord. In the book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, President Spencer W. Kimball said, Often, people indicate that they have repented when all they have done is to express regret for a wrong act. But true repentance is marked by that godly sorrow that changes, transforms, and saves. To be sorry is not enough. Perhaps the felon in penitentiary, coming to realize the high price he must pay for his folly, may wish he had not committed the crime. That is not repentance. The truly repentant man is sorry before he is apprehended. He is sorry even if his secret is never known. He desires to make voluntary amends. Repentance of the godly type means that one comes to recognize the sin and voluntarily and without pressure from outside sources begins his transformation. I love this quote by Spencer W. Kimball because I love the idea that true repentance, true sorrow for sin, doesn't come with pressure from outside sources. It doesn't come because we're worried about someone finding out or worried about a consequence. It comes because we grieve that we have chosen wrong. It comes because we grieve that we know that we've offended the Lord. It comes because we grieve because we've distanced ourselves from God. That is godly sorrow. That is the kind of sorrow for sin that leads to repentance, true repentance the kind that helps us change and to become better. Elder Uchtdorf once said, True repentance is about transformation, not torture or torment. Okay, so now I want to talk about a different aspect of the scripture, and I totally recognize that I'm taking it out of context here a little bit, but it's really what stood out to me, and it's what I learned in this scripture the very most. And that is that here we have Mormon as well as all the different people that he is with. And they're all in the same circumstance. The Gadianton robbers are robbing people. Things are not going well. There is sorrow in the land. And they are all feeling that. No one is immune from that sorrow, from that difficulty, from that trial, from that struggle. And here in verse 12, it says that the people were mourning and there was lamentation for all of that trial and tribulation and sadness and hard things. Now in verse 12, it says that Mormon saw the mourning and the sadness of the people and he was glad because he thought that it would lead them to repentance. But I want to focus on this. In that moment, 
where there was all this hardship, all the wickedness, all the trials, the tribulations, the difficult things that they were passing through. Listen to what Mormon says. My heart did begin to rejoice within me, knowing the mercies and the long suffering of the Lord. Now, again, I recognize this is a little bit out of context, but it made me think about you and I and the hard things that we go through, the tribulations that are happening in the world right now, the trials, the difficulties, and the hard things that will surely be to come. But Mormon wasn't bogged down in that sadness. He wasn't bogged down in the difficulties. He wasn't bogged down in the tribulation. Mormon's heart rejoiced. He found joy and he found happiness. And he did it by focusing on the mercies and the long suffering of the Lord. That is how we find joy and peace in times of trial. That is how we rejoice when those around us sorrow. That is how we stay optimistic when everything in the world feels so heavy and down. President Nelson said, When the focus of our lives is on God's plan of salvation and Jesus Christ and his gospel, we can feel joy regardless of what is happening or not happening in our lives. My friends, I testify that Mormon here teaches us the key to finding happiness and joy despite the world situation around us. And that key is by focusing on the mercies and the long-suffering of Jesus Christ. As we make Him the focus of our lives, as we look to Him rather than the world, we can stay optimistic, we can stay faithful, and we can feel joy despite our circumstances. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.